Welcome in Jock Market Power Hour for this week's AT&T Pebble Beach Pro-Am. I'm Rick Gaming. That right there, Joe Idoni. Joe, good evening to you, sir. What's good, buddy? Uh, excited up for another PGA Power Hour here. Close out the week. Give some final thoughts before the Pebble Beach. Uh, we've got another interesting, like, it's a tough week sometimes for other content-wise, but an intriguing week once again uh, for Jock Market due to the fact we have the course rotation. We've got guys starting at different times in different places. Um, always presents opportunity in, a, in an open market like this. Absolutely, for sure. And before we even jump into this, and we'll show you the results from last week, we've been chronicling for two years, Joe, kind of the, the constant evolution that is jock market. We talked about it last week. They now have the pick'em side of things available. And if people log on to the app right now or pull up the website, they might see something else that's new. All of the paid contests now are IPO only. So there is no live trading. The prices are fixed as far as we can tell, right? When you yeah. fire that bad boy up, which is actually a very intriguing way to my, my pitches do that for all the markets, but I know there's yeah. some logistical stuff there, but that's pretty cool that if you just want to get in on fixed pricing for IPO only and not have to deal with trading, that is also available to you. Yeah. Um, so yes, it puts it down, uh, basically crunches everything into sort of the IPO hour there. We'll continue to monitor whether that pricing is fixed, but it does appear to be that way, but you're right. It opens up, um, the ability to sort of think a little more clearly about things and diagnose good or bad buys on a Monday or Tuesday. And not everything is sort of crunched into this, you know, we're here for the next 40 minutes, but really the, the majority of the action as, as everyone knows happens within the last five minutes. Um, so it, it allows you to put a little bit more thought into your plays, be a little bit more strategic at times. So it's just both are great in their own separate ways. It's just kind of a different way to play. And I, and ultimately like, they had gotten a ton of this feedback from their users, from what we understand. And once again, they listened. Yeah, that, I think that's the overall point here is this has been evolving for so long and there's options for everybody. The market that we'll still keep an eye on tonight, that's that's the standard cash market. It is going to evolve over the course of this IPO phase for the next 40 minutes or so if you're watching live. And then there is going to be live trading. But just another wrinkle for those who might just want to dip their toe in or who might not want to have to follow along throughout the week and just get everything all fired up. So kudos, hats off to the guys over at Jock Market once again. Um, if you want to get involved, the code you're looking for, POWER, the link is in the description. It will get you a $100 deposit bonus. And Joe, uh, let me show you last week's results here so, so people can put a little concrete uh, examples in their head. Max Homa, who won the golf tournament and got the full $25 per share payout, sold last Tuesday because the event started on Wednesday for $8 a share. So you made $17 per share that you owned of Max Homa. Keegan Bradley went from $550 to $20. Bucks. Morikawa, $877 to $18. So on and so forth. The big the big mover, despite not winning, Sam Ryder goes from $2.96 to $14 a share. You made 11 bucks a share on Sam Ryder last week. Yeah, interesting. So you're right, Ryder. It was kind of what we have grown to expect out of the farmers, where typically the cream will rise to the top. If you look at the top five guys on the board, they're all in the top 13 in terms of pre-rank. So they kind of nailed the rankings. Even John Rahm, right below Sam Ryder, actually returned you a profit at the second highest IPO ever, I believe, correct? 
Correct. So now I believe off the top of my head, like five of the seven most expensive IPOs ever have turned a profit. <laughs> yeah, pretty wild stuff. But Ryder obviously had such a great week. Um, we all kind of knew what was coming, right? At some point, it was just a matter of time with that leaderboard staring him down. But yeah, another fun week. Like even even I, I like what brings to mind is uh, like, of course, I'm naturally drawn to think about my own portfolio and guys like Colin Morikawa. So I had a bet on Colin and I had a good bit of shares of him in the jock market. There was a frustration level like boiling with me watching him play because he was fantastic tee to green. I thought he was the best player in the field. And there were moments when I just like could not will a putt into the hole, which held him back. But for the second straight time that I've had Colin Morikawa, because I had him at the century too, um, in the jock market, he ends up doubling your money. So he makes you a ton, even on a third place finish. So um, just kind of illustrates what, what once again makes this sort of format so unique. Yeah, you had Colin in your portfolio, you had Rose, you had Hideki, and you even got away with it. It was a very sweaty short of John Rahm, but you actually got away with it. And I think you told me what you profited 50 cents a share when all the dust had settled. Okay, so something I was wrong, but as I just look back and when I look back at this, I thought it, someone had moved up late. I lost 34 cents okay. a share or something that's like a, that. That's a win, buddy. But it was such a fun, like we were talking about, it was such a fun sweat on on Wednesday because of the early start. It, I was I was almost, I didn't do it, Rick, but I was almost ready to pull the show back up and clip the little 30 seconds when I was the brave uh, yes. guy standing on the hill shorting John Rom. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden it felt like it was dead and he was going to win. So it ended up essentially a wash, which was which was fun. Yeah, you were outside the cut line. Then he was winning the golf tournament. Yeah. I think you are fine and very happy to have lost 34 cents per share. That's an outcome you would accept for sure. Yes. Yeah. Uh, amazing. Okay, so uh, as we turn our attention to tonight, you mentioned at the top, it's it's the course rotation. It's our last one. It's a pro-am. We've got three different courses in action, which is going to be slow, and it's going to allow for different scoring averages across each one of these courses. So the keen eyes out there if you're following along in uh the live portion of this are probably going to find themselves with a couple of extra opportunities joe yeah once again i think similarly to the amex um while there always is is one that plays the easiest they're not all that different in terms of scoring a lot of it's going to depend on the weather that particular day um they're all shorter golf courses they all require a lot of the same profiles in terms of skill sets from what i see and tell me if i'm wrong but the interesting thing i think maybe um it looks like saturday afternoon now this is early in the week but the wind is supposed to really pick up and i know um one of those courses and remind me which one it is is particularly a little bit more exposed to the wind than the others i think it's i thought it was monterey peninsula yes don't, that's don't, what it is that's is that which one yeah i was yep, gonna say don't quote me right on there. that yeah that's the one that was like all flood it's yeah yeah, I think that's the one. Um, so so yeah, it's just something interesting to monitor. Um, obviously the pro am throws a wrinkle into it, and I I do think it's it's worthy to sort of take a look at how guys performed at the Amex, take a look at how guys have performed at Pebble Beach in the past in, in these sort of unique formats, because it's definitely something different that is abnormal in terms of the PGA tour schedule. Certainly is. Absolutely true. Bullish or bearish is a game that we like to play on Wednesday nights where we pick four golfers and we decide whether we are bullish or bearish on. It's really that simple. And Joe, what we've decided on for tonight is a lot of the top of the board because I think that's kind of where the most interesting storylines reside. 
Uh, let's start with Jordan Spieth. Depending on where you're looking, he might be the favorite to win this golf tournament. He's likely to be one of, if not the most expensive golfer. Um, I'll spare you the fair value for tonight, but just in general, bullish or bearish on Jordan Spieth? Wow, this is a tough one for me. I'm going to say bullish, but I'm reluctant because we know about his volatility, right? I experienced it firsthand at the Sony with shares of Jordan Spieth where I had the opportunity, first round leader, right? I, yeah. I could have sold those shares for plus $6 per share, um, ended up holding them. He missed the cut. Um, so he can be the best player in the field out of 155 guys on one day and be one of the worst the next day. I think that his course history here with three recent top tens, obviously the second place finish in there, um, shows that he has a, a, he's good here, right? We know this is a spot for him. Um, we know that he's okay with sort of the pro-am type format. I do think that he is set up best of the top three guys coming in, in my opinion. So I'll say bullish. I think I take a, a more bearish stance than you. Obviously, there's a price for everybody and all that fun stuff, but the it's scary. The, the only, in my opinion, the only positive is the course history. Now the course history is elite of elite. You know, it is, it is like, uh, Hideki at Phoenix or like whatever, right? Like when, you know, web at Wyndham, when you get this like elite of elite stuff, that's, that's what Jordan Spieth at Pebble beach is. So it's super scary, but you know, you look at what he's done recently. He's been a pedestrian ball striker. He's in the midst of the worst putting, um, you know, year of his career. And it is really just a matter of can him and Jake Owen kindle up some magic and creativity around these three golf courses? And the answer might be absolutely he's going to win. I just I think I'm just a little bit more pessimistic because I, I wish golf was played in a spreadsheet. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, we know that he'll take some chances and make things fun out there like we saw last year. Uh, speaking of last year, our defending champion, Tom Hoagie, back at it again. He is tonight sporting a pre-rank of eighth, which is a little, a little tough for old Tom Hoagie. Here are his results, Joe, over the course of the last 20 markets. He's a 21% average winner. Are you bullish or bearish on the defending champ? Yeah, I'm bullish. The fair value projection uh, would require him to finish 25th or better to return you a profit. Uh, definitely bullish on that number. I still think that uh, continuing just much like last year to be uh, the the most consistent and best player with a wedge in his hand uh, in the field. And we know the amount of shots that come in this golf course sub 150 yards, basically pitching wedge gap wedge range. Um, is as much as any on tour. I believe like 47% of the approach shots last year came from under 150 yards. This is talking Pebble Beach only, of course, but um, he's been fantastic there. I love the fact that, you know, he has the history with the Pro-Am. He obviously won this event last year, defending champion. At the Amex, if you remember, he really fought to make that cut. He was well outside the cut line and shot like six or seven under on the final back nine to make the cut. Clawed his way to a T32 finish. Um, I, I love sort of how he sets up here, and, and I have him ranked a, a bit higher than the fair value do right now. I'll say bullish. Yeah, I think I'm I'm in a, in the same boat as you, right? I mean, what has changed from last year? Uh, arguably, Hoagie's better now than he was <laughs> last year, right? I mean, that's that's really the only thing that has changed. Obviously, it's a good fit for him. Obviously, he's fine with this format. Obvi you know, he's he's playing better now than he was. We saw him uh, go to the tournament of champions, gain 10 strokes on approach, finish third. We've seen him pop off a bunch of times. Yeah, I, I just, I don't really know what the argument against Tom Hoagie is, except that he won last year and it's hard to defend.
right? Yeah. Like that's the only argument, which is not doesn't stand up in court all that often for yeah. me. Yeah. Uh, uh, next up, and this one, you know, plug your ears, right? If you if you're one of these, like, I just want to have a fun Wednesday night with the boys. I don't want to have to think about anything. Just come back in five minutes because Matt Fitzpatrick is the guy we're talking about here, Joe. And he did his presser. uh, I don't know if it was today or yesterday, but he commented about his neck, his neck, Rick, what are you talking about? Okay. I'll pull up the quote here uh, where essentially he is just dealing with this. Here we go. He says, I hurt my neck last Saturday, so it's still not 100%. I don't feel 100%. That's why another reason I'm kind of playing this as a warm-up week for me. You don't like to hear that. It's just kind of see where I'm at. Hopefully, it's going to die down a little bit more. Like, I can still play, but I've I've not gone full speed or anything like that. Um, He does say this, though. I've had it, like, on and off throughout the years. And he would go on to just say he's not 100%. Yeah. Um, All right. So he's the second pre-ranked guy. I was going to be bearish before the neck injury. Um, So obviously, I think this this further cements that. I More so concerning to me is he's been able to string together weeks, but his approach numbers, Rick, have not been indicative of a top 10 player in the world. Um, especially when you look at the wedge ranges that I was talking about with Tom Hoagie, where he's so good at Matt Fitzpatrick is like when you, and I, you, neither of us love to use these sort of proximity buckets, but I think it warrants a little bit of attention this week with the amount of shots coming from these ranges. He's not good at them. Um, good finish last year. Now the flip side of it is you say you're hurt. Beware the injured golfer. Do you get him for $2 cheaper tonight? Because everyone's worried about a withdrawal for Matt Fitzpatrick. Um, I'm just going to, we'll go with the fair value projection. I'll say bearish. I would love to abstain from this. Um, <laughs> I, I just, I just don't even want to go on the record. So I think that I know. overall, uh, Last 100 rounds, he's the best player in the field. I, I feel pretty strongly about that. Matt Fitzpatrick is basically the best player in this field. Now, I love the fact that he is well-rounded, which when you go to three different golf courses in three days, you got to have a little bit of everything, right? There, it's, it's hard to be a bit of a specialist, which is all great. Uh, obviously, I don't like to hear that this back or this neck injury, excuse me, is is recent, but I'm kind of more okay with it when he says like he's dealt with this before. You know what I mean? Like that this is kind of something on and off that he deals with. He doesn't seem overly concerned about it. I would say I was coming into this week or coming into this this market tonight uh, bullish on Matt Fitzpatrick, and that has not changed. Okay. Okay. But I, but I am scared. Yeah. <laughs> does it worry you when you say that he's re- well-rounded does it does the approach numbers worry you a little bit or does, does the other parts of his game just pick himself up from that kind of stuff so so both right i like i okay. i wish he was better from 125 yards and in but like th- he's probably one of the few guys who knows his strengths better than everybody right like don't don't hit drive you don't have to driver like most places around pebble beach don't hit driver and leave yourself 99 when you can find the middle of the fairway at 130 you know what I mean? Like, I think that he's smart enough to figure to figure this out. And we've yeah, seen that with point. his results. Uh, last one. 
and we're going a little bit further down the board here. It's Joel Damon. So we have not seen him in, oh boy, it's been RSM classics. We haven't seen him since November. He had, uh, he had a baby or him and his wife had a baby. And when we last left off Joel Damon, right? Like he was awesome. Like the T to green numbers were great. The approach numbers were great. Uh, are you bullish or bearish on Joel back in this thing? Yeah, I'll say bullish. Um, you mentioned when, when he last left off, he was one of the best players and one of the hottest players on the tour. Um, he also has two f- top 15s in the last three years at this course. I think this is a great course setup for him. I'll go I'll go bullish for old Joel Damon. What about you? I will go slightly bullish. I I think I was it is it Joel Damon who once told us like don't play me after a long break because I probably haven't picked up my golf clubs. Is that him? I can never remember uh if that's if that's him or not. I'd have to look it up. But I, I do worry that this is not only a handful of months off where I normally wouldn't care, but when you've got like life stuff happening and a baby and like I don't know. Like, I really don't know how much golf he's played. And um, I do love his numbers, though. So I'll say just kind of slightly, slightly bullish on on Joel Damon for tonight. Okay. All right. That concludes our bullish and bearish. We are playing stock market DFS. The code you need power. There's a link in the description. That'll get you your $100 deposit bonus and get you rocking and rolling. We've got about 25 minutes or so until this IPO closes. And I will uh, unveil the big board here in just a second. But before I do that, Joe... You know, there is kind of a big three, Spieth, Fitzpatrick, Hovland. What order do you kind of anticipate these guys finishing in tonight? Okay, that's a tough question now with this wrinkle and with Fitz. So I think he comes in third. I will say, I'll say Spieth gets the top nod, then Victor, then Fitz. You disagree? No, I think that's right. Okay. I think that's right. I think I think people will be worried about Fitz and Spieth will get the Spieth bump. Now, Love. I will yeah. <laughs> I, yeah, I will tell you as of right now, uh it is actually Victor Hovland out in front currently $8 per share. His fair value is 874. He's going to blow past that, but that would ask him to finish about 15th or better, I imagine by the time we close it's closer to like 12th or better. Hoagie and Spieth right behind at $7 per share makes complete sense. Matt Fitzpatrick, very, very early, um, $3.32 per share. So he is he's lagging behind. He's actually the cheapest top 12 golfer that you can get right now, Joe. So at least early, early indication is that Matt Fitzpatrick is not getting a lot of love. Yeah, I think it's expected. Um, you know, with dealing with the injury, we're such... You know, this market is like we talked about earlier is confined to sort of this 45 minutes and we're so um, biased on what we've heard recently and what we just saw on Twitter. And it's sort of all the news with the late breaking injury report. So, um, yeah, I think that that's we're going to see that play out here before IPO. The rest of this top 10. Fairly interesting, right? We've got Mav McNeely here with the fourth pre-rank, $6.90 per share right now. Uh, Denny McCarthy's here for 4 bucks a share. Seamus Power, six fifty one. Anybody else in this top 10 that you're going to be uh, eyeing up tonight? It's not Mav McNeely. We should have put him in bullish or bearish. Yeah. What are you on Mav McNeely this week? I just imagine that whatever price he's going to end up on, I'm going to be pretty bearish. Um, yeah. You know, I, it's so funny that I've I've pulled up his stat profile before, and this is a guy that I've bet I bet like 25 times last year. But if you just blank showed me this stat profile, I'd be like, holy crap, I hate this guy. Right where he just like has to gain a stroke putting every yes. single round, and he never gains on approach, and just like. 
Oh, he's gonna do it to me again. I I would hate this profile, but I I, I love McNeely, but I don't think he's gonna make it into my portfolio tonight. Yeah, so the two biggest things working for him, I think, are two of the iffiest stats you could look at. It's putting and it's course history, right? They're both like, yes, they work out sometimes, but that's not where you want to put all your eggs in the basket. Um, he loses strokes off the tee. He loses strokes on approach. He loses strokes around the green. The only place he gains strokes in the last 36 rounds is with the putter. Um, that's concerning to me. I feel like he's way overpriced. I feel like everyone loves the narrative that his, whatever his grandpa or his dad lives on the course or something like that. And you know what? They've been relatively successful in it in the last couple jock markets on Pebble beach. I think that that kind of catches up and I, I won't have anything. 10 through 20. There are some interesting names here. First of all, Webb Simpson is still at a dollar, and I I don't think I'll be getting an in on any of that. Um, but then you've got like Keith Mitchell, who's a great driver of the golf ball here. He's at $5.53. We've seen um, you know, Alex Smalley and Thomas Dietrich. They've played really well already to uh to start this season. Where do we want to allocate our funds in this next tier of golfer? Yeah, I do kind of like Alex Smalley there. Um let me let me pull up by projected rank here. Yeah, his um, his his stats have been very very good, right? Just like blindly looking at the ball striking numbers, and he's an adequate enough putter. He's been he's been pretty solid, right? Dietrich, I know, has kind of the uh, the European Finau vibe to him, but that doesn't necessarily hurt you in the old Finau before he used to win. Um, but doesn't necessarily hurt you in the jock market. He's been very consistent with finishes. Um, Dean Burmeister had a good week last week. Those type like that little range right there is not bad. And I do feel like things right above them, um, have cooled still at a dollar per share, $5 and 60 cent pre-rank on Davis Riley. Um, he was one of those sort of really hot names heading into this like West coast, Florida swing last year where he played really well. I think people had very high expectations of him coming into this season in a weaker field event. I think this could be a place where he's, he stakes a claim and could, could finish top 10. Yeah, that's an interesting one. He had a couple of good runs last year, hot and cold, but when yeah. he gets hot, things go really, really well. Um, how about 21 to 30? So you, I saw you picked up Taylor Moore in our season long fantasy league and we've got, you know, Nick Hardy, who catches a lot of people on models because his approach play is so hot. And we've got like Nick Taylor, who's won this event before. Where else can we go here in this area? Yeah, you know, it's another interesting one. S.H. Kim. I mean, when the dude plays well, he's getting you over a, doubling your money. Um, he did it at the Farmers. He did it at the Sony. He did it in a number of events sort of through the fall and the summer. I'm looking the Sanderson, the Shriners, the CJ Cup. He's more than doubling your money in all those events. And when he's a loser, it's it's not all that bad. So um, you usually can get a fair price point on him. And he's shown, you know, five of his last 10 events there or whatever. He's more than 100% ROI. Um, I kind of like going to him here again. Yeah, he generally lives in the three and four dollar IPO range. Six seventy five was his most expensive. That was in Bermuda, but that's obviously much much weaker than this. Um, Thirty one through forty. Will Gordon? What is Will Gordon done? Because he's almost at his yeah two straight losses. He's already at his fair value. Uh, yeah. Justin suck catching a little bit of steam and maybe the hottest man in all the markets, Ben Griffin, $5 and 50 cents a share is right here. He's been crushing it. Um, if you've been betting Ben, Ben Griffin, top forties, you've been having a pretty good year. Um, 
yeah, look at that. One, two, three, four, five, six of his last seven. Seven of his last nine markets returning you average ROI 107%. Um, the guy's been consistent. And I don't like it's it's getting to the point now where it doesn't just feel like a corn fairy guy coming up with a couple of hot runs to start the season. Like he may actually be a really good player. Yeah, I think he missed the first cut of the year, if I remember correctly, in um at the Fortinet, if I am right about that. Yes, I am. And he's been phenomenal since the, the stats are pretty solid as well. Like this is kind of what you'd be looking for. And he's, yeah, he's a big time returner in the markets, which is, which is great. Love An that. interesting one. I think here also in this range that I'm, I've kind of got favorited just to see where his price goes. Kevin Kisner. Um, so this is a great 7,000 yards. This is a Kisner course fit. He's That's made true. comments in the past where he does not like Poa. Poa is actually his best putting surface. Um, if you look at the stats by a pretty decent margin, um, he's a good putter. He plays well on these shorter courses. Um, he's got some decent course history here. I know that he made a swing change late at the end of last year. And I'm looking like I'll, I'll throw out the hero. He does. He was okay at the hero. He wasn't terrible. Finished 19th, whatever. That wasn't a real tournament. The RSM, he gains like three and a half strokes on approach with this new swing change and with a new coach. And that was really the last time we saw him in a full field, um, was able to return you a profit there at a relatively high IPO price over $5. I think that he goes well below that tonight, actually. Um, and we'll see kind of where that ends up. But I think that he could be a, an interesting one to keep an eye on. As of right now, he's a dollar a share. So yeah. <laughs> there hasn't been any movement on Kevin Kisner as of right now. He's the 30th pre-ranked golfer. The 40s to 50. Uh, Bo Hostler finished third here last year. Joseph Bramlett has played well enough. And I think Lonto might be back. Then you've got like Streelman uh, in the $4, who if he gets, if he's, I'm assuming he's with Larry Fitzgerald again, and they're just going to boat race the pro Amber to the race. Is he with Larry again? I didn't um, see. I'm sure. I he think has it's like, to be, yeah. yeah. Larry's the biggest sandbagger six in the field. I also saw Aaron Rodgers is claiming to be a 10. That's a joke. That's a joke. What's going He's on like here? I thought he was a two. I think he is a two. Who knows? Who knows? He's Josh Allen's a nine. A guaranteed Rodgers is way better than Josh. Anyways, um, so a couple of guys in this range I actually wanted to ask you about and see where you stand. Um, it seems like the majority of people, given the short courses, given the importance of sort of clubbing down off the tee, driving distance isn't necessarily, I think the predominant theory among us is that it's not that important this week. Although, if you can get to these ranges with a four iron that other people are taking a three wood with and then have a wedge in your hand versus having an eight iron in your hand, I think the distance could be a sneaky little one to look at this week. We've got guys like Bramlett. We've got Taron. We've got these type of really top 10 guys in the field in terms of driving distance. Where do you stand on the importance of it this week and maybe being a differentiator? Yeah, so I've actually... Um... Uh, yeah, so so Streelman is playing with Larry Fitz. Larry Fitz is a six, apparently. Um, I so when I ran my model, like my course key stats model, yeah, this distance was one of the things that <laughs> popped up, and and for the exact reason that you are talking about, it is not you are not realizing distance off the tee. You are realizing distance on your second shot when you are hitting pitching wedge and someone else is hitting eight iron. Right. That's that's the key. And 
the guys like Joseph Bramlett who are kind of turning the corner and he's, uh, I mean, he's a freak. He's, he's longer than everybody and trying to, and he put it all right on Poe. Like that's, that's interesting because you're right on paper. You're like, distance doesn't make any sense. It's only 7,000 yards, but it's the way you have to play these golf courses all from the same locations that the second shot is where you're coming in with a much shorter club. Yeah, and I was looking um, at, I think, some of, like, I think it was Greg Chalmers' tweets and talking about Spyglass and Monterey and the way that they're sort of the course is designed where if you're too far back off the tee and you want to hit the, you know, you want to just club one out there in the fairway, you're kind of coming in blind to a lot of these greens. So there is an advantage to being further down the fairway you where you get a much more better angle. You can see the green. You can see what you're aiming at. You can go for a particular target. Um, so I, I'm kind of with you there, and I think it might be a little bit more corollary than some are giving credit for. Victor's playing with the CEO of Chipotle. Hmm. I, I would be begging for one of those black cards or whatever it is so that I yeah. can get free Chipotle for life. That would be my only objective this week is, is sure I don't care how the I don't care. how I just got to butter this guy up and get my Chipotle card. He'll flash that Victor smile <laughs> and I think he'll get one. Well, I wanted to, you know what I noticed about Victor and I was What's looking that? at uh, I was looking at your cheat sheet earlier. Yeah, um, actually on rickrungood.com over the last 36 rounds. So. When you think a short game and around the green, two of the best guys, and he made comments about this. That's why I'm bringing it up this week and what he's been working on. Two of like immediately the guys that pop into my head in any field are Jordan Spieth and Matt Fitzpatrick. They're both magical around the greens. It's one of their strengths. They excel there and they can separate from the field in those areas. Victor's been better than both of them the last 36 rounds around the grade. Is this something that you think that he, he's maybe starting to figure out? So, uh, I mean, yeah, look at it. I mean, first of all, I know how hard he works on it, right? He's constantly working on this and he, and you heard his, you heard his comments, how hard it is because, um, it's so different from his long game. Yes. Yeah. Interesting. Which is something we've talked about a lot and you, but you look at the stats here. I mean, he has been, he has gained around the green in five, six of his last nine. And the losses are like small losses. And yeah. that's that's what you have to be. Just if you're going to lose, lose small. You can't lose six like you did at the Memorial or four and a half like you did at the Masters or when he lost, what was the one? I think it was two years. Yeah, nine around the greens at TPC. Like you can't do that. And he doesn't really do that anymore. Or at least yeah. he hasn't since July, right? So he's got he, he's, he's starting to pile up wins in that area. And that just starts to breed confidence and he's going back to a place where he's had success. Yeah. I think, I think the around the green stuff is, is generally overblown. Yeah. Because I, you know, you, you think the green size are so small here, you're going to have to lean a little bit on that. So I was initially worried about Victor, but when actually sort of diving into it, um, he's shown pretty monumental improvements in that area. Yeah. And the good thing is like, it's, it's thick, rough around the green, which is exactly, which is good for him. Um, let's go very far down the board here. So I'm, I'm past the sixties into the seventies and I'm just going to kind of open this up to you, Joe. Most of these guys are a dollar. Some are seeing movements like Benny on or James Hahn or Peter Malnati or Harry Higgs. Who's been playing a little bit better as of late. Jimmy Walker seeing a little bit of love as well. Um, Anyone, oh, Doc is here. Anyone else, as I kind of scroll through the penny stocks that you might be interested in here tonight? Um, yeah, there was, let me see where he's at. You know, Jimmy Walker's an interesting one because he's had some decent finishes recently. Um, was it, 
Yeah, last week. Um, I was actually kind of high on on Eric Barnes mm-hmm. coming into the year as a guy that I think not many people knew about who could make a splash. So he's had a couple of starts now since getting his PGA Tour card. 10th at the RSM, 13th at the Farmers. Um, two missed cuts sprinkled in there as well. But when you're talking about these guys down in the 70s, like you want... You're not going to lose much on them if they miss the cut, I think is the important thing to note. So if you're getting them for $250 or $3 a share, the the floor in terms of finishing 150th is not that low, right? You lose $1.50 a share on them. But if you have an upside of a guy who can T13 at the farmers, a guy who can top 10 potentially, um, I think that that's what you're looking for in these massive sort of 200, 300% ROI weeks. Um, I think that he could be a nice one to sort of favorite and monitor his price. Yeah, not a lot of risk, but a lot of reward on that second page of the big board. Okay, we've got about 11 minutes or so, just about 10 minutes or so until this IPO closes. Uh, If you want to get involved, which you can get involved in not only this live cash market with live trading but as we mentioned at the top of the show there's also the paid contest hey 20 20 entry fee you get your thousand chips and it's ipo only you just go and buy shares of golfers and you don't have to trade during the event joe if you have a second can you confirm that 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 those are fixed prices we saw yes i can confirm it now uh, would be a good time to do that because we saw victor was seven dollars and sixty cents in that contest about an hour ago before we went hot I think they're fixed. Still 766. Beath okay. is still 662. So yeah, so you can essentially like just get in there. Um, what's nice about that is is the IPOs run the same. So you can actually get this stuff done a little bit earlier, spread right. your chips around, and then focus on the market that we're talking about. Okay, I like that. A new a new wrinkle there. And then, of course, they've got the props pick them now, which is crazy. So they've got the four major sports, and they're adding golf, we heard, a couple weeks from now. So hopefully... Um, I don't know, like by the masters, we'll be rocking and rolling. It seems like um, the coach you're looking for is power. There's a link in the description. Here's the top of the board, Joe. 850 Victor Hovland hanging strong as the number one golfer, the most expensive golfer. He is the number one pre-ranked golfer. Uh, that pre-rank is very, very important. It breaks all ties. Uh, Jordan Spieth is at $8 a share. If you're looking for the third man of the big three, it's Matt Fitzpatrick. He's down here at five bucks a share. He's the same price. As Matt Kuchar at the moment. So we're seeing we're seeing yeah. that lag, Joe. We're seeing a lot of love for McNeely. We're seeing the love for Hoagie. We're seeing the love for Seamus. No surprises there. And then Andrew Putnam has snuck his head into this kind of top five, six, or seven golfers as well. Yeah, we didn't talk much about Andrew Putnam. Um, for me, it feels a, a little bit McNeely-ish in that he's doing it a lot with the putter. Um, and he's just kind of on a hot run, which is a little bit worrisome to me. Uh, but yeah, I mean... Fitz is going to have to make a run here, I would hope, or else I'm going to end up with some shares of them, and I really don't want them. So, uh, But the price, is, the price is crazy right now. Uh, even Joel Damon still at the 11th pre-rank is is the uh, you know a sub yeah. $5, who we spoke about quite a bit. Um, Justin Rose is at 568, who's been trending a little bit in the right direction and also has good history here. So I think there are a lot of good buys on the board right now, about eight minutes till close. I'll tell you what, Robbie Shelton's pretty interesting. Yeah, that's a good one. Yeah, he's not long, which is not going to hurt him here. Uh, he's pretty solid otherwise. He has legit top 10 upside. T10 at the RSM Classic, T6 at the American Express. The American Express, I know they're not. There's not a lot of similarities between Palm Springs and the Monterey Peninsula, but uh, a three-course rotation where you got to deal with amateurs for six and a half hours like is a common is a common thing. So uh, Robbie Shelton is is available for five bucks a share right now. Uh, he's already over his fair value, but I don't know if he'll get too expensive tonight. 
Right. Uh, all right. Let me let me refresh this thing and see what's happening. Uh, while I do that, Joe, because we're probably gonna let you go here in just a second. You've been. I feel like you've been on a pretty decent run, right? I come yeah. in and I check because uh, I can still see the portfolio from last week, and we go in there, and I'm like, okay, yeah, Joe's been kind of Joe's been kind of doing well. So, what's the game plan for the next uh, handful of minutes here? I'm going to stick to it, man. Four weeks in a row um, have returned returned to profit in terms of ROI in the market. So I've been doing pretty well. Uh, I'm going to continue my strategy of sort of five to eight guys. I've been sort of shifting a little bit more towards some of the guys uh, at the top. So taking a, a few more guys within that top 10 and veering a little bit away from the middle pack. But that said, this is kind of a unique event where the top, is really what I consider three guys in this field versus last week it was like 12. Um, so that middle ground does kind of open up a little bit. There's a lot more spots that you could slip into a top five for a guy like Seamus Power or something like that. So um, we'll see kind of how things shake out, but I'm going to stick to my strategy of six to eight players. Okay, well, go get after it because uh, I want to make sure you have your opportunity to get everything all situated. We'll rendezvous here in just a couple of minutes. Uh, I'll take you the rest of the way. And I'll update the big board and we'll see how this goes. We've probably got five or six minutes until this IPO is going to close. And Victor Hovland, uh, still the most expensive golfer in this market. He has not quite gotten to his fair value yet, which for tonight is $8.68, which implies a fair value finishing position of 15th place. But he's close. Only 18 cents away. Jordan Spieth has past his fair value. He's $8 a share. His fair value is $7.66. So Jordan Speed's going to have to finish as of right now about 18th or better. So or so he has uh, lost you money in five consecutive markets, six of seven, but the Pebble Beach Jordan Speed lovers are out. Uh, speaking of Pebble Beach lovers, Mad McNeely at 745 is the third most expensive. He's over his fair value. Tom Hoagie, 744. He's over his fair value. Seamus Power had a five shot lead through 36 holes last year. Barely finished inside the top 10. He is $7.05 with Andrew Putnam rounding out uh, the $7 range. Fitzy's trying to make the move. $5.99, the second pre-ranked golfer, still $2.60 short of his fair value. We heard the comments from Fitzpatrick just earlier that uh, he's been dealing with a little bit of a neck injury since, I think he said, last Saturday something he's dealt with before he said he can still play said he might not be a hundred percent that's basically the quote and uh you can go back i read it a little bit earlier if you want to hear the whole thing uh in full context he has just jumped though to seven bucks a share so we are we are seeing a little bit of movement for uh fitzpatrick if i flip this around and look at the top 10 golfers the cheapest top 10 golfer that you can get right now Matt Kuchar, $5.76, $5.76. It's a dollar short of his fair value. He was a big time winner the last time we saw him, which was the Sony Open, 114% ROI. He's been a winner in three out of five, and one of those losses was very small, a 2% loss. So Kuchar's actually been quite good. Denny McCarthy, $5.84. On the other hand, not very good. Four losses in a row. Seven out of eight losses. He hasn't been good since Bermuda. And then that was kind of a standalone good week for him. So kind of a tough start to the year for Denny. We'll see if he can kind of bust out of that and uh, break the slump this week. Talked a little bit about Davis Riley earlier. He's five bucks a share, 66, uh, 62 cents away from his fair value, which would ask him only to finish 30th or better. That's something he's done 
twice in his last five starts, uh, Houston Open and Mayakoba going back to last year. A little bit of value on the board. Let's see. Uh, ben Taylor, 401. He's the 34th pre-ranked golfer. Carl Yuan, 389. He is the 51st pre-ranked golfer. Let me refresh this, and we'll see what the top of the board looks like. We've got just a couple minutes to go here until this IPO closes. It's going to end just before 9 p.m. Eastern time. Joe's making his bid. He's had a couple of good weeks in a row. We'll see if he can continue it this time around. And I will let you know that Jordan. Okay. This is the big three. It's Hovland. It's Spieth. It's Fitzpatrick. They're the only three golfers over eight bucks a share. Uh, 890 for Victor. 850 for Jordan. 825 for Fitzpatrick. Then a gap to everybody else, which is generally Hoagie, McNeely, Power, Putnam. Then a gap to everybody else, which is basically Rose, Todd, Mitchell, Smalley, that kind of group. So uh, our tiers are absolutely forming right now. Big three, next four, and then everyone else. Uh, We saw a little bit of movement on Putnam up to 725. Saw a little bit of movement on Joel Damon to 564. Getting a lot of love for Scott Stallings too. Scott Stallings is in here losing in five straight, and he is uh, nearly a dollar over his own fair value for tonight, probably asking him to finish about 30th or better. Lipsky's been playing much better, $5.25 a share. He's been a big-time winner at the Sony Open, played well in Mayakoba, uh, has played well a handful of times, Houston as well, this fall. So things are seemingly going in the right direction for Lipsky. Uh, Bo Hosser, 518. He finished third here last year. He's been a loser, though, in three out of his last four. He played well at the RSM Classic. If you can get him at the right price, I think that makes a lot of sense. Neesmith has struggled, but he's played well here. So he's been a loser in four straight, was great before that, has two top 20s in his last two starts at Pebble Beach, but they were 2021 and 2020. We've got about a minute or so, I assume. Well, this IPO closes, maybe less now. And we are coming down the home stretch. Victor just got through the $9 mark, which is the most expensive he's been since Houston. And then outside of that, the most expensive he's been since Zozo. And then he's really hasn't been this price for a while. Speeth at 875, Fitzpatrick at 836. Uh, a little bit of movement here on power. Power's now up over Putnam and Justin Rose is solidifying himself in the $6 range. Here comes Ben Griffin. That's something I didn't think I was going to say. $5.99, which is well ahead of, of, of golfers that are ranked higher than he is. He's a 35th ranked golfer, and he's like 17th in the pricing right now. So plenty of opportunity there. Nick Hardy, five. Are we done? We are closed. Okay. Shut it all down. IPO is closed. Officially closed. Ring the bell. All right. So we're going to let the dust settle here. We will get the final pricing. But if you were one of the high bidders uh, for these golfers when IPO did close, uh, those shares are being allocated to you right now. And I think, Joe, well, I don't have the final pricing yet, but as expected, it was three. Then like the next four and then everybody else. They're like li- literal tiers were forming. Yep. I, I would expect it. But if I'm looking at the correct data, <laughs> I was totally wrong on the top three. I think Vic- Victor held everybody off, didn't he? Victor, but did you see who ran up wow, second? Wow, I just did. So speak yeah. speak. I'll just we'll just show it real quick. 940 for Victor. Fitzpatrick with the late charge Ooh, to 902. Shit. Speed at nine dollars. So yep. everything we said about Fitzpatrick's neck 
nobody cared about. Nobody cared about. I can't believe he passed Spieth. Um, yeah, wild stuff. I'll go ahead and uh, yeah. I have Spieth. So I got okay. shares of Jordan Spieth at $9 per share. Um, felt pretty good about that. That was kind of my spot for him all along. So very surprised that Fitzpatrick cleared that number. Um, the other guys in my portfolio are the following. Seamus Power mm-hmm. at 746. So, Rick, I had Hoagie and Power pretty equally rated. Um, I'll see where Hoagie ended up, but I ended up, lo- I think I was in like 775 for Hoagie and 750 for Power. Um, ended up getting Power for 746 and lost out on Hoagie, but I had them both pretty equal, I which I think kind of too. mirrors the betting market. So I'm happy to get the shares of Power. Um, Justin Rose, mm-hmm. 6.35. In the $4 range, I had Ryan Palmer and Kevin Kisner. And at $2.20, David Lingmurth, who was coming off a, I believe, top 25 at the Farmers, like kind of out of nowhere. Was that the Farmers or the Amex? He had the top 25. Uh, how much did he go for? Two something? Farmers, 24th. Yeah, 224. 2.20. Uh... So that is Lingmurth, Kisner, Palmer, Rose, Power, Spieth for Joe's portfolio. So let us know who you got in your portfolio, and we will run through the top of this board here. So as I mentioned, the big three, Hovland, Fitzpatrick, Spieth, then Hoagie, the fourth, no problem there, McNeely, Power, Putnam, Rose. This is basically the betting market. Yeah, it feels pretty good. Um, like I, I feel like Power is the best value there of those guys in the sevens for me. I think that he's 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 a lot better than Andrew Putnam. I have him rated higher than McNeely and pretty much equal with Hoagie. So I do feel like that was pretty good. And then um, and then Justin Rose and, and sort of Matt Kuchar were there. I was kind of toying. I thought about Kuch, but I do think that Rose is probably the safer of the two options. I still have some yeah. some unknowns and question marks around Cooch. I'm not a big Cooch guy. I'm not a big Rose guy either, but both the, this week I think is a good week for both of them. Yeah. Um Smalley at 614, I I have really grown on him as the week has gone on. You know, looking at the stats, looking at the numbers, saying, okay, this is a weaker field. I I've really grown on Smalley as the week has gone on. So I'm interested to see what he does. And I'm I'm continuing to interested to see like Dietrich didn't even get to his fair value. Dietrich, we're asking Dietrich to finish yeah. 30th. That's all he does is finish like 21st. I know. I think that those like I think that there was we talked about the distance narrative and like you see guys like Dietrich and, and Pendrith even like go go pretty well below their their fair value projection because um, I I think the like the group think is that it's it's not a great course fit for them. Um, Burmeester also um, like eighty cents below his fair value projection, so it, we'll we'll kind of see how that plays out. Brent's got a pretty big one here. Uh, Sig S H Kim Merritt Kisner. Ben Taylor, Streelman, Hubbard, Fratelli, Camilo Vigegas, Stroud, Brian Gay, Ben Silverman, fresh off a of Corn Ferry Tour win, and quote, the real C. Young. Back to Carson. Carson. <laughs> Cam is playing this week, but it's uh, not in North America. Yeah. E, a little worrisome. Ooh, <laughs> well, at least we'll have the real C. Young. If, at least we'll. Uh, we could depend on the real CEO. Yeah. Uh, 
Guy got Mav, Hoagie, Power, Putnam, Mitchell, and Joel Damon. That's pretty. That's a pretty. That's a fun. I would hang out with those guys. That's a fun group to hang out with. It is. Yeah, we go. <laughs> it'd be a nice party bus to be on. Yeah, we'd go to the bar with those guys. We'll, we'll take sure. it to the circuit. Yeah, we'll have a good time. Uh, Powers, I think it's his uncle or somebody in the family owns a play uh, owns a bar here in Vegas. Oh yeah, and they're like always over there. I guess it's called the bar. That's what it's called. And that's so great. That's where we'd go. That's where in the in the people and the people flock to the Las Vegas event, right? Oh yeah, it's crazy. Were you out with the boys and Max Homa last night? I was not actually, but the boys were with the boys were with Max Homa last night at the Aria, right? Pretty good stuff. Yeah, I mean, you never. That's the thing about Vegas. You just never know. You just you never never know. know. Never know. I saw that Homa after winning the Farmers went. Did you see the thing where he went and played like a a country club skins game and And cleaned up four hundred bucks on some people? Yeah, he's such a good dude. We um. We were actually, I don't know if I told this, we were, so when we stayed at that hotel right there with that Hilton, that's right on the golf course, which is where all the guys stay. Yeah. So we were, we were like next door, we were next door neighbors with Max for the week. So I was chat, I was, I was talking to him on um, Friday night. He's, he's such a good dude. That's awesome. He's just like, you just want so much success for it. It's just, you know, he's such a, he's a great ambassador for the game. He's everything. Let me ask you this before we leave. Where yeah. do you rank Max Homer right now? Because <laughs> I was talking on Monday and I was afraid to almost say it in my podcast. Like, dude, he's got no weaknesses and he's got the mental shit figured out. He's got the confidence figured out. He hasn't done it in majors, but his game is all there. He might, I think he's like... <laughs> I think he might be like the sixth best player in the world. I do too. I was telling, so this, I'll let it out. I think that right now, if I could have for this season, I might take him over Justin Thomas, which sounds crazy, but I'm that high on Max Homa. Cause it was interesting looking at that leaderboard on Sunday. And I'm like, all of those guys, you can immediately, you look at and you know what their deficiency is. Like Morikawa, you know what he doesn't now You know what it is. Even Rom, like you, yeah. you kind of know where Rom is going to struggle. Max, you're like any situation he's in, you're like, he's going to he's great. He's great out of the fairway. He's great out of the rough. He get it up and down. He's a great putter. He pounds it off the tee. It's like and he's, he's getting so better good right now. He's just getting better. I know. Yeah, he's I just know. getting nuts. better. Um, it is really good stuff. All right. Well, we'll be back again. Uh, same time, same place for next week for. Oh my gosh! Next week's Phoenix, Phoenix, yeah. and then uh, Riv. We're going. We're going on a stretch right now. It's going to be going a on a stretch. stretch. Phoenix, Riv, Honda, API players. Like we're we're in it. We're in golf season, baby. We're in it now. Uh, live trading is just beginning. If you're in the cash markets, and you can get your 100 bucks if you go and use the code Power. The link is in the description. Otherwise, make sure you follow Joe on Twitter at Torpix, and you can find me at Rick Run Good. This has been your Jock Market Power Hour for this week's Pebble Beach Pro Am. Good luck.